0: Welcome to episode 112 of Friends of Film, a podcast covering latest news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Bond 25's possible director, a flood of DC updates, unsurprising It to casting, and more. after view Annihilation. As always, I'm your host Cooper Hood. Once again, joined by my man, Happy J.J. Abrams has a script for episode nine. Josh Straley.
1: And sooner than I thought, too. Really? Yeah. I mean, he did. Was it? Did he also make news that they were filming at the end of summer? I think we already knew that. Okay. Did we talk about it on the
0: pod? I don't think so. We don't normally cover like when movies are going to start shooting. No, we, that's either, a good point. we have more things to talk about than production schedules.
1: I think we had this exact talk like last week before in pre, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Maybe. Anyway, yes, I'm just so excited. He seems excited about it. Um, he's going to be, you know, a little bit more looser because part of the conversation he had with Colbert was like how worried he was about episode seven. Right. And it was it was kind of cute uh, to see like, oh, JJ is not just a wizard. He's also a human. Right. Which is great. Um, but hey, uh, don't forget, you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And if you can, please leave us a review. It really helps.
0: Yes, it does. And we noticed this week we had a new review from user Hill underscore Larius with the uh, subject line, they're great! exclamation point. And we just want to thank hilarious for this review they said uh they have lots of enthusiasm and always make me excited for the movies on the news the production level isn't anything amazing eh, sorry about that fair but they really have a good focus on the news and give helpful reviews of movies so thanks again for that review hilarious if you are out there and listening i hope you i mean i assume you are since you gave us a five-star review if uh, you can prove to us and you know message us on twitter or something. That this is you and you gave us this review. Let us know and we'll maybe try to hook you up with something special for just being kind. We appreciate it. And this week we hope to continue the trend of giving helpful, thoughtful reviews with a very thoughtful movie, Annihilation. Josh, you wrote the review for the site. Ooh. What did you think of Annihilation?
1: It is deep. Deep. Um, I mean, maybe not deep, but just, um, it's directed by Alex Garland, his third, fourth, second. fifth, second?
0: Second directorial movie. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. Out of the gate, Garland's movies are layered with themes all across the board. Mm-hmm. They're thought-provoking, and each time at the end, they leave you thinking, oh, what the heck just happened? In Annihilation is no exception. Um, uh, It's based off of the novel by Jeff Vandermeer, and it has probably one of the most quiet all-star casts that a sci-fi movie's ever been able to round up, I would say. Um, Natalie Portman, uh, Oscar Isaac, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson. Wow. And then uh, also Benedict Wong shows up there. Um, He's he's actually uh, in there in the trailers as well. And... Um, cast on screen totally crushes it, but they're just a small part of this weird, wonderful dreamland that they walk into, which is the shimmer area X. And, uh, Shout out to Michelle Day, the the set decorator, um, and then Rob Hardy, the cinematographer and Mm -hmm. production designer, Mark Digby, because once you get beyond that barrier, you're lost in a world that's ever-changing and is weird and not whimsical, but just eerie and uh, unsettling the entire Mm -hmm. way through, even though nothing's happening, and it's, I mean, for the most part of the film, but you just feel off, yeah. And the soundtrack and jangly guitar music, which should make you feel at home, doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's even more off-putting than anything else. And the whole way through, you're presented with just these images and things that are unsettling. But then at the same time, when you get a grand scale of it, you're like, wow, that exploded overgrowth of a body is actually kind of, you know, um, hypnotizing it in its own way. I mean, it's still, it's still, they're still full of very dark actions and things taking place here, but it's just, uh, it's entrancing in some Mm -hmm. kind of ways. Um, and I don't know what the effect is, but the entire movie has like a dreamlike quality. Mm-hmm. Everything it's it's there's a soft yellow light through most of the film, coming through the trees, and everything kind of feels like it's out of focus mm-hmm. in a little ways, and it's hazy. And even like the cast like acknowledge that in the film, they're like, "Do we even remember what we we did like yesterday?" And it kind of sets mm-hmm. up some of these interesting things. Um, and then it just starts layering theme after theme after theme and i think we'll talk about it more in the spoiler territory yeah. but you're just you're presented with i mean i guess supposedly some issues of like environmentalism supposedly some issues about you know human nature and processes and cycles and then um you know more things that we'll talk about but all of that is just Preamble to the third act, Mm -hmm. and when we talk about that, um, I'll probably just let loose into a stream of consciousness about it because (laughs) I still don't know what to think. And um, writing the review, uh, it took me just so long to get to a point where I could understand it. I even had to go back to the source material Mm -hmm. for it just so I could try to like hone in on what was going on there. And that's the great thing about Garland's movies Mm -hmm. um i mean only two of them but i my mind was just reeling and running i made sure to take notes for this and it was great sci-fi It's exactly what i want every time it was a smaller scale than what we got in blade runner which was like the last Mm -hmm. great sci-fi movie that i'd seen and i just really appreciate when i these films you know just spark thought-provoking um you know conversations uh so all of that said um and did have two things that I would take away. Okay, Garland still doesn't know what to do with human emotion. Okay, he has Oscar Isaac and Natalie Portman, two prolific actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Oscar Isaac's charisma—I mean, charisma can be with like a pile of rocks, you know. Yeah, and he still just barely met like the threshold of like, oh, okay, you know, that's a normal person doing that thing type of a deal. Um, so he, he just, I don't think he understands like, you know, interpersonal relationships okay. well at all. Um, and some of the lines with like some of the, the cast, even as great as they were, uh, you're just kind of like, it seems like they're going through the motions here. And that's, that's, that was really the only off putting thing. Okay. Um, but that doesn't dent the movie for me, uh, really at all. Uh, So I'm going to give it four and a half out of five ticket stubs.
0: There we go. Uh, Yeah, I loved this movie. Uh, I thought it was thrilling. From start to finish, I was hooked in. Um, Yeah, it had that unnerving quality to it where you're wondering what's happening, but you're not sure what's happening. And then it eventually tells you what's happening and you're like, I think you're going to either be like, wow, okay, cool. Or just be like, wait, what the heck? No. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I was totally on board with the direction this movie went the entire way. Um, I think Garland, if X Machina didn't already do it, it cements him as a director to be like, he's one of the next great ones. Like he's, he's going to continue to do this type of stuff for years, which I think I told you after we watched, I was like, it makes me a little upset that he is going to go do a, a TV series next. Cause mm-hmm. I want to see what he would do next on the big screen. Um, just because I'm such a huge fan of X Machina and of Annihilation. Uh, now i thought the cast was great across the board portman is great in the movie um it's definitely her movie but i think the real um person that impressed me was gina rodriguez she has yeah. undoubtedly the best scene in the movie where she just goes she goes to places that i didn't expect her to go and i was yeah. just like wow like i am all here for this like, far
1: cry from jane the virgin exactly sure. like i've
0: seen like a couple minutes here and there Mm -hmm. because, you know, it comes on after, you know, this is like the Arrowverse stuff on CW or whatever. And then, but like, I liked her a lot in Deepwater Horizon, but there she, I mean, she's a very simple character in that one. And this, her, all the rest of the characters have these layers and complications to them. And we get told a lot of their past without necessarily being shown it, which um, I think some people have criticized because you would have liked to see What these people have gone through, and so just being told. But I think there's not really great way to do that in this without you get to see a little bit of Portman's backstory a little bit more. Yeah. Um, when they're in the shimmer because of the effects uh, that go on in there, and you you could have done that for some of the other people, but I think would have just taken away from the focus of Lena is in here to try to figure out what happened to her husband Kane, and. It was. It's her story. It's not Gina it's not Rodriguez's character's story. It's not Tessa Thompson's story. Uh, I would have loved to see more Tessa Thompson, but again, it's not the purpose of the movie. She was there. She was good in it, uh, but she definitely wasn't the the shining spotlight. She was probably of the group of four. I mean, there were five females there, but the one you don't really get to know at all, um, Tessa's probably the one that gets underserved the most but i think that's just a product of her character and her role not necessarily like her performance or you know her quality as an actress or anything right. um i th- i was very surprised by how brutal this movie was there it definitely goes places it uh, is very violent uh it, it doesn't shy away from showing you certain things that you're <laughs> yeah. just like wow it went there um and I think it does a really great job and I want to see it again to see furthermore how it does this. But I think it does a great job of setting up how this movie is going to play out. Where for me, I kind of latched on, okay, I think this is what's going to happen probably about a third of the way into the movie. And that is what happened. But I, and I was like, I wasn't like, yes, vindicated. I was right. My theory. Mm-hmm. It was just like. No, like that's just smart direction because they laid these seeds. So I I, I want to see it again to see if there's other seeds I missed on um, that show other things or whatever happens. But I loved every second of it. I'm going to give it five ticket stubs out of five. Another five, two weeks in a row.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we we have been definitely been spoiled these last two weeks for yes. sure. And then um, – this, with Black Panther being just everything what it was, then this being almost like the other side of the spectrum, kind of, but still in the sci-fi not world. On, not in terms of quality,
0: though. <laughs> right,
1: of course. Um, because yeah, this is def- this is definitely more of like a gorilla movie. That if if it wasn't written or directed by Garland, be like, uh yeah, that like, bear is <laughs> nope, not doing it for <laughs> me. <laughs>
0: exactly. So uh, let's let's. Du- Just jump into spoilers so we don't have to dance around anything. If you guys haven't seen Annihilation, uh, go see it. Obviously, we recommend it. If you're a sci-fi fan, if you are into some trippier type of subject matter, um, you can definitely go see it. And uh, if you haven't seen it, obviously go see it. But also, there's a time statement in the description of this episode so you guys can skip ahead to when spoilers are done and we get into the news. But uh, until we get to that point, we're in spoiler territory. Where do you want to go?
1: I wanna talk about the, the main attraction. The okay. shimmer. Yes. The vroom, 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 you know, that <laughs> yeah. awesome sound, uh that the movie's got in its track.
0: Uh Ben Kendrick, the like you know, editor in chief at Screen Rant, he yes. tweeted out a ten hour loop <laughs> of that right. song. I was like, Oh my gosh. So <laughs> oh,
1: some other people were taking clips of it and like being like rolling up to the club like and then they'd have that <laughs> sound effect and yeah. It made some great appearances over the weekend. And that just that that little that little bit of it is uh, you know, a really good pop culture moment for it because it is it's an, it's an epic sound, but you actually don't hear it until ten minutes till the end. Yeah, maybe. Till, yeah, close to the end. Yeah, right. So that is what it is. But anyway, the shimmer ends up being as we um that is that is discovered by Tessa Thompson's character June Juno June. Sure. Yeah, it's a J word. Um, that it re- basically it's like a prism and it refract refracts and reflects mm-hmm. the dna of everything inside of it yep. causing mutations so that sh- alligators will begin to resemble sharks in some ways mm-hmm. um, plants will be encoded with like you know the human genome and they'll grow like a person so yeah. y- you see the plant formations they're not people being turned into plants they're just how the plants grew, which is crazy. Um, but then it looks like her name's her character name is
0: Josie. Josie. Okay. It yeah. looks like that's what happens to her at the end, right? She's if I don't know. So that that made me question: Are all of those people because they aren't shy? Because the, the Shimmer's been around for three years, right? Yes. Um, and this organization that Jennifer Jason Lee's in charge of, they've been sending people in for three years. So they get to this spot where there's like a bunch of these people looking plant structures and after we see the beginnings of Josie's transformation and like that, we see like a shot and there's like, you mm-hmm. know, a dozen yeah. structures like that. I think that it is actually like, those are all people who used to be there. They're transitioning into yeah. people like
1: that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there starts to be like all, all these other things, basically like a mixing of DNA and mm-hmm. like mutations and all of that. And I don't know what I thought was going on in there, but that really surprised me. Um, And I think that sets up like, I mean, I just, I don't know. What what did you come out with on that?
0: In terms of the refracting? Yeah.
1: I I mean, it, I don't know. Like, what did that invoke? I mean, did you pull anything out of that? I mean, thematic-wise, I just, it was... It was such a cool concept, um, and I'm still just kind of left knocking at the door. Like, so is this kind of like about you know the all one world type unity stuff, or like what we interact with changes us, and we right. change that? And it was just-
0: um, on the initial impression, I didn't get any thematic stuff out of it. I'm sure that there's stuff in there mm-hmm. um, that I can maybe catch on a second viewing, or just you know as we talk about it more, think about it more. Um, and I I do think, like you mentioned, like this is a movie that demands discussion. I don't think you can see this movie and then not talk about it. And not to say you can't fully comprehend it, but I don't think you're going to get the full enjoyment out of it. Like, you know, screen that posted like a ending explained. Uh, what is the shimmer article film? Clickbait. It was like, or just go see the movie. And it's like, that's, it's not the point, right? Like <laughs> some, sometimes movies need discussion to, you know, just to talk about it. And I think this is definitely one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a cool concept. I don't, again, I don't have any thematic pullings for it. It'd be like, sure. oh, so I, th- I think this means this. Um, but I liked that explanation of, it, especially you, how it eventually leads things into the idea that basically, if you're in there long enough, uh, and if you interact with different substances or however happens necessarily, that the people themselves can be cloned because this is the the part I, I mentioned, I picked up on earlier on was because now the character characters, a um, biologist. And like the thing she studies is uh, cells and how cells, you know, f- when one cells made, they split apart, become two cells, two cells become four, four become eight, eight yep. become 16 or um, whatever, whatever it is. Like they keep, they keep multiplying mm-hmm. and that they kept talking about that so much in the movie that I was like, Why? And it's because we eventually find out that like Oscar Isaac's character Kane, this whole this whole movie kicks off with him coming back to Lena, um, and he's 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 not acting like himself. Right. um, And we eventually get to the point where we find out that that's not actually Kane. It's the refracting refraction of Kane, basically. Where like it's it's his doppelganger it's his duplicate it's yeah. his clone mm-hmm. that has been made by the shimmer um which i thought was a super cool uh, twist quote unquote you know i kind of saw it coming uh-huh. i loved the i loved how that played out and what it meant for um the rest of lena's journey but also how it started um and everything
1: especially the way it's introduced too because we haven't met kane at the beginning of this film mm-hmm. And through the flashbacks and everything, you start to realize this the cane that showed up at the house is not the cane in her memories at all. This other guy guy is just, you know, uh, he's he's a lot more lively than the guy who returned. And you're sort of blaming it on the path or like what his mission Mm -hmm. was. Then you realize, oh no, this dude is just the mirror image of the guy.
0: But I also think that when he comes back, I believe he's in the same clothes as when he leaves. He just has the slicked-backed hair instead of Oscar Isaac's kind of natural, wavy, curly hair. Right. And so that's what I was like, that's that's weird. Like, you don't just come out of the shimmer in the exact same clothes that you were in before because they also talk about how the, the first girl that dies, she gets, like, eaten by a bear, mm-hmm. and they discuss this concept that her consciousness was infused with the bear, even though I almost yeah. took it as the bear like bit into her neck and I was like, did he, did the bear eat her like vocal cords? Right. And then was able to produce her scream as a result of that. Yeah. It's just um, like
1: the sharing of, of you know, of who everything. You are, right? So
0: then like, we don't know when the clone of Kane was made or how long they spent time together, but seems mm-hmm. like the real Kane doesn't seem t- scared of it. It seems to accept it to some degree. So, and he even says, when you get out of here, go find Lena. And, he does but it's like it made me wonder if like he got the memories from original kane and he knew if i'm going to go back and find this girl it would be best to be in a form that she recognizes not in like this military uniform or whatever right he could show up in the last outfit that she saw him in which again was one of those like seeds where i was like that that means something. That, yeah. that that's where something else is off about this whole like
1: thing, like a tra- like a transitional thing. And um, obviously, you 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 know from the beginning that Lena makes it out of the uh, mm-hmm. area X, the shimmer. Or a Lena, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, even though I, I disagree with this, but there. I mean, Lena actually makes it to the lighthouse, and we sort of see how she how the doppelgangers are made, mm-hmm. at least in terms of for the the, uh, the movie's logic. And it starts with the body of someone else. Um, Ventress, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh's character gets annihilated, basically, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in one of in the coolest yeah. sequences of the film. Visually stunning. Her, uh, her entire her from like a cellular level, she's disassembled, mm-hmm. turned into a mass that just floats there in midair and looks like the origin of the universe. Like you're staring right. down. Um, the you know the the Milky Way galaxy in some respects. Yeah, and then a little bit of DNA from Lena mm-hmm. creates the, the beginning form of her doppelganger. Yeah. That, will, that will mimic her and um, seems menacing. And then you realize, no, it's just
0: no, it's just trying to understand how to be who it is. Yeah,
1: human. What did it? Is. Yeah, exactly. And. When she finally makes her escape, she hands it a flashbang, a phosphorus grenade, mm-hmm. um, and then that's when it takes the form of her. Yeah. And even though I contend that it is still the real Lena that she le- that leaves. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I do too.
1: It, it does bring up that question. Did the real Lena Well, you know, I, I was, I was just
0: saying, like, before we see the explosion, once we see, like, that there's two of them, mm-hmm. you know, Again, we don't even know necessarily because we don't know how the second cane was created. We don't know if it's just like the longer you're in there, they can just automatically be born or morphed or whatever. So there could be multiple Linas out there potentially and that like the Lena that came back wasn't actually the real Lena. The real Lena's out there somewhere. Like you could go down a rabbit hole of trying to figure yeah. this out science-wise, I guess, potentially. But I was just more saying like when they – bring about this concept you're like at that moment you're like wait so does that mean that that is actually lena and it like creates that doubt of like mm-hmm. what's going to happen um and then it ends in like a really interesting way where like they embrace and then both of their eyes glow with like the shimmer yeah so like what does that mean
1: <laughs> right exactly precisely and um we do know that lena's body is changing throughout the film mm-hmm. and that's kind of sort of what drives Gina Rodriguez's character to her state, yeah. which is like one of the scenes that you were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, which is yeah, like you said, epic I mean, just like it,
0: goes off the rails and it's oh man, it is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a it's an epic, you know, um five, ten minutes mm-hmm. ten minutes, um, you know, of a little story arc for her that is like super cool. Uh but you have to wonder. You have to wonder what is that going on between them, um, and it's. I don't mean, and that's where I'm still sort of frozen. Like with is that Kane a, and Lena at the with Cain and Lena at the end? Is that because we see their marriage has had been rocky mm-hmm. through those flashbacks and everything like that? There's an affair. Um, they seem to be. They seem to have been, you know, argumentative near the end, or at least, yeah. and. You're kind of like, so is that embrace like her just deciding that, okay, I get one more chance with my husband, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it's not exactly him, but it can be. Mm -hmm. And it's the exchange going on. I think it's the shared consciousness thing. Yeah. Are they, she like sort of passing on like her, her image of him.
0: That's what I took from it. Okay. That like, she's basically been like, all right, well you're not my cane, but you can be close to him. If I like give you my thoughts on him, like if in an, you know in a different way that could almost make this i mean if this new kane if that's the case wouldn't be the real kane because lena's perspective of kane is different than who kane actually is yeah. so like it would be like the quote unquote perfect version of kane that like she shared she would i would assume share all of the good parts of their relationship not any of the bad right. not the secrecy um not yeah. why she would be cheating on him to begin with like it, it would create this ultimate form of cane in a sense yeah
1: and uh, because and the reason like i think that theory is so great is because when there's a moment where a flashback takes us to them back in the house and there's a song playing and these are just some of the the words from the final lines of the song okay they are one person they are two alone they are three together they are for each other and that's kind of like a i mean it kind of feels like a romantic way of being like okay um that now that they have that connection, even though that may not be Kane, right? It, it's a being from the Shimmer that it's able to change, replicate, mm-hmm. mutate, and now that she's been altered by it too, they're going to be able to, you know, be more harmonious mm-hmm. or more unifying in some kind of ways. Um, but
0: I have another question about the Shimmer. Um, sure. We don't ever see the outside of Lena and Kane's house, correct? In yes. the flashbacks? We see it once. Because I first for a second I thought the the house in the shimmer is their house. Is that correct?
1: When she walks in.
0: It's this it's the it has the same shot. It has like the one it has one picture on the wall instead of four, mm-hmm. but it's it's the exact same layout. There's the they show the table that we see them sitting at with mm-hmm. the exact mm-hmm. same shot of that. Yeah. Like it looks the same, but I couldn't remember if we saw the outside of their house at all. We did. Which yeah. is again, one of those things where, like a repeat viewing. I'd be like, okay,
1: yeah,
0: I'll remember that the look of the outside of the house and then compare it to the look of the one in the shimmer to confirm or deny that theory. Yeah, because
1: they show it to us previous before they get to the house in the village mm-hmm. and it's outside. It's an outside shot. The sun's coming down with um, that, that warm sunset light, mm-hmm. you know, golden hour and then probably two or three scenes later, outside shot of that house. And then th- okay. the same frame from when Oscar Isaac walks into the house for his first time, Lena does it, right. does the same exact thing, looks at the walls. Like, where
0: are we? Which is like, again, I like that raises the question. Like, how did the house, how is that house built like that? Like, there's no way that's a, a replica of the house. that just happens to be in what, what state are they in? Like,
1: I have, I have no idea.
0: Somewhere on the coast, wherever yeah. they are. Like there's no way there's like an exact replica of that house out there. Like, I mm-hmm. guess maybe it is construction workers. You can only make a house so many right. ways, but like the layout, the design, like everything was felt the same way. So it's like, it. it's another one of those layers where like, did the shimmer pull from Kane's consciousness, create a house for him? Cause he was in there. He was gone for a year in our time, but, uh, like in the, sh- the shimmer time doesn't feel as long. Correct. Like it, time, yeah. time doesn't go by like as fast. It seems like correct. when you're in the shimmer. So like for him, I guess it would mean he would, he was in there for, for to him, it seemed shorter, um, not longer. Cause Lena has been in there for a year, but like they say, well, you only had rations for two weeks and you still have rations left.
1: Yeah. It was four months. Yeah. She she was in there for like weeks, she says, but they're like, you were out for four months. Right. And then he was gone
0: for a year for a year. So, but he
1: never gets to explain what his frame right. the time.
0: But was. But like you would assume if it's like, you know, let's say it's two weeks in the shimmer is a month in real life. So it's, a, it's, you're basically doubling the time that you're spending the shimmers real life. That's six months in the shimmer mm-hmm. Um, in his mind. Right. Like that's a long time to be in there and, he doesn't get to lighthouse for till the very end of it, so like that's a long time to kinda be wondering and meandering around, probably by himself and maybe Kane number two. Like Yeah. I think it's possible that then the uh Shimmer would somehow know what his house looked like and either construct a house out of that or Reform a house, or I don't know, but it's like was like how does how does that work?
1: Yeah, it was one of the thing. It was the it's the most out of place thing mm-hmm. in the story because right. I mean it's all done for a reason, of course. But at the same time, if the Shimmer built that house, it went into some immaculate detail that right. we have really haven't seen it actually construct or create. Yeah, um, because it that, would, that's that's it, true. It'd probably be made like out of vines or something right. you know, like that. <laughs> of course, like those human structures or uh-huh. whatever that that, were, that was out there though is that in the book at all no okay it's not at all the book is actually written as a journal account of everything that um lena's character okay does gotcha who's also ends up being like a composite of gina rodriguez's character as well and yeah so um they, so they sort of spread out some of the character traits to other people gotcha throughout the film or at least from film to book okay but yeah,
0: I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on spoiler-wise? I mean, I think you could we could really get into the nitty-gritty of this and just continue to speculate and dive in, but
1: yeah. Um favorite part?
0: Uh I mean, the Gina Rodriguez scene is my favorite scene in the movie. Okay. It's she's great in it. It ends in the brutal fashion where her face just gets crushed and I was <laughs> like, "Oh my <laughs> gosh." Like it's so violent and it's just uh kind of blew my mind um but i also loved just like the beauty at the end where like everything's on fire and i was like That's yeah, pretty cool. those even lit- if, even if the trailer is like in retrospect like man the trailer showed a lot of pivotal stuff
1: <laughs> yeah but also in a way in a but way not in context right? yeah not in context way out of context yeah. in a lot of ways um most gruesome scene for you same scene same scene
0: i I don't know the opening of the gut. I was like, ugh. yes, with <laughs> the with
1: the fluid intestines. Yeah, that,
0: like the snake-like being. Uh, yeah, that that messed me up a little bit. Right, which
1: I think. I mean, I think that was his large intestines, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah,
0: I just, yeah. Just but like moving around alive. And, yeah, yeah, the Cor- gross. Uh, that was crazy. Which, uh, Gene Rodriguez like makes this mention of like but then we see like a shot of her hands and then like a couple scenes later, she's like, I can see my, my fingerprints moving. Yeah. I, I didn't notice that in the shot. Me neither. So that's another one of those things. Like I want to, now that I know that's what she's like kind of terrified and looking at, like I want to pay closer attention to and see if that is actually happening or not, which I assume it is, but
1: I think so too. Yeah.
0: yeah. just like, I was like, just, I didn't realize at the time. So, uh, yeah. I mean, any, anything else?
1: um no i mean that's about it okay. I'm still i mean still processing still processing i mean uh, like you said i have the, the i wrote the review um in the, in this the, being monday <laughs> but this being saturday i'm still writing so my final thoughts will be out there in that. but just go see it it needs to be seen um because if you don't see it movies like this aren't going to get made
0: right it's like movies and, like this arrival Blade Runner twenty forty nine, mm-hmm. Nocturnal Animals. Like this, after seeing, this, I was like, man, I want to watch Nocturnal Animals again. Yeah, because like it's just kind of one of those like mind trippy movies, which like they're just kind of fun to watch. Even like Enemy, like by Denny again, like right. They're they're fun movies to watch and discuss. Um, and on a side tangent, I watched this movie Under the Skin,
1: uh, starring Scarlett yeah, Johansson.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hated that because it's just like. <laughs> No it's all this like, what the heck does this mean? Mm-hmm. No answers, no resolution. I'm just like what a waste of an oh, hour man. forty.
1: But I heard things. That's at for least
0: sure. it had like good reviews and everything, and I just watched it and like there's like no there's like hardly any talking and it's just it's just weird. Right. Throughout, and I was just like, I I would I wish I would have watched Annihilation again if I was gonna <laughs> do like trippy sci-fi. But oh well i'm definitely gonna see this again at some point and definitely buy it on blu-ray obviously but uh yeah easy recommendations for both of us Mm -hmm. here at friends and film uh that's all we have for this review of annihilation we'll be right back in a bit with the news back with the news and this week no ticket or skip it no trailers out really uh that merit any discussion at this point so uh, instead we're going straight into the news starting with an update on bond 25 Uh, we've been kind of wondering who's going to be directing this movie for a while and variety reported this week that danny boyle is high on the studio's list to direct the movie uh even though no offer has currently been made Deadline then followed up this report by saying that Boyle's longtime writer, John Hodge, is currently working on a script based on Boyle's take. Uh, He's going to take a couple months to write this, basically, and then the studio uh, is going to look at his version and the version they already have that's written by the guys who wrote Skyfall, Spectre, and the one that came before Quantum Solus, um, or is that Casino Royale?
1: Casino Royale, Quantum Souls does not technically have a writer.
0: <laughs> which one's the second one? The Craig? second one is Quantum Solace. Okay, so it's it's those guys, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, so terrible. <laughs> um, those
0: guys wrote a draft of this for, of a script for Bond Twenty Five, which is when they were recording. You know, Denny Villeneuve, Jan Demange, and David Mackenzie. Um, they are no longer being courted because they're interested in Boyle's take. If they're, they're obviously going to have to wait to decide if this is the movie they want, Boyle's take could be terrible, and then they pass on it and they've cost themselves months of development, director search, pre production, all that stuff. But if it is Boyle, do you think that's a good choice for Bond 25 and the final Daniel Craig uh, movie?
1: Okay, so remind me again, what is something terrible that Danny Boyle has done lately? Or written lately? I mean, you said you liked T2, right? Yeah, I I thought T2 was great. Um, I think he had... I mean, the first first
0: train spot-in is great. Uh, 127 Hours is great. Um, uh, Coincidentally enough, we're talking about this, and him and Alex Garland are longtime partners too. Alex Garland wrote a bunch of his old features, like 28... Days later.
1: Oh yeah. Twenty eight mm-hmm. weeks
0: later, whichever one he did. And then um, did Boyle direct Dread? No. Uh, no, he, no. he Garland wrote Dread, but Boyle did not direct that. Okay.
1: So it was just twenty
0: eight years. Um and then I think Garland also wrote um, Sunshine, I think is the other one. And the Beach, all of them direct or no, Beach was John Hodge, I believe. So either way. I yeah, I, I think I think Boyle's a good director
1: different backgrounds mm-hmm. all of his movies have you know something different to them they're not i mean standard bond flick right films and if anyone's going to approach this last movie in a different way but still be able to adhere to like a you know a, a larger budget film danny Boyle is your guy I, I mean, it's not who I would want, mm-hmm. but you want the, Chris g- Nolan. I wanted Chris Nolan and Denny Villeneuve to co-direct um, <laughs> in my perfect world, but no, I I think the guy's great, and after Spectre, really needs something different. Yeah, because it was just it was basically a bit. Ba- I mean, it was like a comic book Bond movie. I mean, it was just. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it just you're like all of these things are exactly how I think it would go. Hmm. No surprises whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a boring, bland Bond movie. Yeah,
1: I mean everything's great. There's nothing terrible, but it's just like okay.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think. But yeah, I think Boyle's a good choice. Uh, if the if that is ultimately where MGM and Eon go, um, there's still obviously a lot of time to wait to figure this out, which is unfortunate because we're gonna have to wait three or four months till Hodges dumped the scripts to figure out. If it's Boyle's movie, and if it's not Boyle's movie, then we're going to have to wait another couple months probably to figure out who's going to direct the other version of this, Um, which is just interesting. Um, Yeah, I think Boyle will provide a new, different take on Bond that is unexpected, kind of just like what Sam Mendes did when he came in for Skyfall. He did something different and new. Um, Spectre wasn't good, wasn't great. But I think Boyle can come in and do something cool and fun for Craig's final movie. Give him off, send him off on that high note instead of another mediocre to bad Bond movie that uh, I don't think Craig deserves. I right. think he deserves to go out on a high note, and uh, I think the hiring of Boyle will hopefully ensure that happens. So uh, we will move on to the unsurprising casting that happened this week. Potentially, Variety reported that. Uh, Jessica Chastain, as long expected, is indeed in talks to join it. Chapter two, as the adult version of Beverly, she was basically on the top of everybody's fan cast list. Mm-hmm. Andy Muschietti wanted her um, for a long time, for like the last like, two years. He's talked about, oh yeah, I love, I love for Jessica Chastain to play the older Bev. So it was kind of just like we're kind of waiting for this announcement to happen, but now that it's out there, are you happy with it?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I think we tried to go like when we did our fan casting. Uh what was that? September?
0: Yeah. It was the week after first it came October.
1: Out. Yeah. I think she was like both of the, she was at the top of both of our lists, yeah. right? And then I was like, that's the obvious one. It's really hard to like get outside of it. Right. So I think I threw out some other names, uh Isla Fisher being one. But the connection's already there for mm-hmm. Chastain. Um Buschetti did Muschietti did Mama with yep. her, which didn't recognize her at that point. It's weird not seeing her with long hair. Or whatever yeah, I the seen that. Um yeah. So, that increases the likelihood like tenfold, mm-hmm. um, even just based off of like everyone saying like, this is who we want, this is who you should get, right? and who, like you said, if he's been talking about it for two years.
0: I mean, even Chastain was like, oh yeah, I'd love to do it. So, mm-hmm. it's like, of, co- of course this is going to happen. Yeah. Apparently, uh, the Howard Reporter even revealed that like, at one point, there were plans for Chastain to appear in the post credit scene for IT Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Um, as the older Bev, which I think would have been cool, especially if they would have been able to keep that under wraps, mm-hmm. which probably unlikely they would be able to. But like, right. that would have been pretty sweet if we saw it way to the end of the credits, and they were like, "Here," I'm like Jessica Chastain. Yeah. What? That's awesome. Um, but I mean, she's here now, so that's great. And now we just got to wait to figure out the rest of the cast.
1: Chris Hemsworth is Ben. Chris Hemsworth is Ben. Man, did
0: you pitch that in our initial one? Yes. Interesting, I don't remember that. But, if you want to hear our full suggestions, go to episode 89, I believe is the one. I tweeted out the link again uh, on our Twitter page this week. So, you guys can find it, go to the timestamp, hear our entire fan cast list for It Chapter 2. Moving on to the DC world, we got a bunch of updates concerning the future of the DC movie universe this week. Starting with a change at the top of the board... According to The hired Reporter, where they revealed that DC Films has appointed Chantel Nong as the vice president of production. She will focus on the development of projects and management of DC's slate, which sounds good to me. Um, And then in that report, DHR said that the goal currently is, according to their sources, that Flash and Batgirl are likely to be the next wave of films to enter production after Wonder Woman 2, which enters production in June, I believe of this year. So flash is probably going to hit start production at the end of this year. Uh, that girl is, I would assume then early next year, end of this year, potentially even um, do you think those are good people to focus on as well as do you think that them appointing Nong as somebody basically to oversee the slate and production? Do you think that's a good thing on both accounts?
1: Yes. Get those teens into the theater. I mean, that, that's who you want on board. Flash um, is definitely that kind of fun, eccentric movie character that you want. And then whatever Batgirl ends up becoming, mm-hmm. that's what you want too. And I mean, appealing to the other demographic instead of the, you know, 35 plus with your other slate of films with, you know, the Batman, the Justice League, and things like that. Okay. So, yeah, she's perfect for it. Um, At least uh, Chantel Nong is mm-hmm. at least getting like these things rearranged around. Um, the, And she's got e- blockbuster. The experience with um rise of 300, I think yep. was listed on one of her credentials. And also there's the teen focused uh, crazy rich Asian movie.
0: Oh yeah. It's coming out this year.
1: I think this year yeah. I've seen a cast photo for it. So I mean, definitely I, think it, I think it's supposed to be this year. Super close. Um, so she she's hip. She mm-hmm. she's in with the kids. <laughs> uh and if Flash and Batgirl are what up, up first, I think that kind of confirms it.
0: Yeah, I think it I think it makes sense. I th- I like the fact that DC is instead of maybe going the Marvel Studios route, if you want to compare them again, uh they're not looking for necessarily Kevin Feige. They're gonna kinda it looks like divvy up um responsibilities to a bunch of different people, with Hamada basically being the overseer, the creative mind, um, the one in kind of charge of keeping everything together. Where then it looks like Nog is going to focus on making sure these projects actually go through development correctly, go through development, pre-production, production, post, all in a timely manner. Make sure they have the necessary time to get that stuff done, um, as well as then managing the DC slate is good news because that means if they don't if they don't now that they will have a slate uh, in mind. A, if, even if they don't announce here's our plans for six years, which I don't really necessarily want them to do right at this point, I'd rather them go year by year. And then after they've built up, all right, Aquaman, big hit Shazam, big hit one of them two, big hit flash mega hit. It's like, all right, now here's, here's what we're going to do for the next four years. Make sure people know this isn't going to end anytime soon. Right. Um, But I think again, that it's, it. I think it's a good move to go that younger route, go, with Flash, who Ezra Miller's uh, portrayal was very comedic in Justice League, and then Batgirl, a she can go lighthearted. She could also go. You could do a very devastating, dark story if they go the Oracle route, Killing Joke, whatever. Um, either way, you're bringing youth, longevity, um, and hopefully fun and optimism into the universe, which yeah. uh, is, I think, I think is what they need, and it looks like that's where they're kind of moving towards. With Shazam, it's supposed to be, according to David Sandberg, the most lighthearted DC movie ever. Wonder Woman 2, if it follows the same similar tone as Wonder Woman, um, it's going to be a lighthearted movie in some capacity. And then I think Flash and Batgirl will absolutely do the same thing. So really, it looks like they're shaping things up nicely. Um, I'm still kind of surprised Batgirl is becoming this much of a priority for them other than we they want to just get you know that next female solo movie out there but you know there's no mention of suicide squad 2 which we've thought was been coming and being ready and geared up there's no mention of the batman yeah um there's, a, there's still a lot of questions which is again why i think the hiring of nong is a good news if she's going to be like all right you know matt reese what stage are you in script writing all right then we're gonna give you a year more do script then six months of Of pre-production six months to shoot six months to edit you're gonna hit theaters early 2021 work for you and they'll be like yeah sure why not like if if that's what she's gonna be doing then i think it's good news because it sounds like they're they're making a plan and they're gonna hopefully stick to it this time
1: yeah and then they're also getting both sides of the demographics there too i mean um like i said like listen I, i really do think the justice league films the first run outside of wonder woman were heavily i mean they were more male films in yeah. a, kind of a lot of way getting back to more teen-centric films i think films that's with, Zack snyder style yeah exactly a bit, but yeah but get back into more teen-centric films which will appear to a, a younger b- database and a you know and both sides male and female mm-hmm. especially with batgirl especially with ezra miller because he's just as likable by everybody mm-hmm. you know so um i think that's really the way to get to it
0: yeah and speaking of batgirl and it's potentially being a movie they want to get moving quickly well they have some work to do now because the Howard reporter broke the news that joss whedon has left the project as director he confirmed this to the outlet saying that he never was able to find a story for the movie after a year of work um and he was basically like you know i tried um but is there a sexier word for failed uh, so like you know whedon's trying to make a little bit of light out of it i i don't this is hardly a surprise. I I think this has been coming for a while. I mm-hmm. think that you know the initial agreement from to do this and to do even Justice League, if you want to say, you know maybe they even they only said here here sure you can make Batgirl, but can you help us on Justice League real quick? Wink wink, and yeah. in the back of their minds they're going yeah no this is never going to happen. But also, like, you know, the last couple months, it's been rough for Joss in the fall of Justice League. He's gotten criticism for changing Snyder's vision. He's gotten criticism for the movie overall. Uh, He's been under fire from his Mm ex-wife. Like, there's been a lot of stuff. So I think that this is a nice PR spin on Warner Brothers' part and Joss Whedon's be like, oh, yeah, it was just amicable. We couldn't couldn't figure it out. It wasn't creative differences or scheduling conflicts. It was, oh, I couldn't figure out a story even though – Backerall has years of stories you can you can you, you can pull from, so yeah. Um, I think it's just a PR spin at this point, but all in all, good news.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, it's great. It's great news for a couple reasons, though. I mean, like, in the end, because there are so many other great people out there that could like yeah. step into the spot. Um, and you know, uh, Josh Whedon's out there to do whatever he does. So whatever project he gets picked up on next. I mean, he'll bring his entire resume to it and that movie will get off the ground and his ideas will get made. Films like these at Warner Brothers get, have a chance to bring up anybody, mm-hmm. really. Um, I don't think many people could have even said Patty Jenkins is like, even though she was an Academy Award winning.
0: Yeah, she had directed an Academy Award winning film.
1: That's right. Technically. Okay. That's right. Um, with Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, at at the end of the day, optimism. Like, I mean, you, I think you said um, Thursday night, like, you, you fan cast, not fan cast, but just threw it out there Greta Gerwig and Cersei Rowan. That wasn't me.
0: I I saw the suggestions. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: I was like, yeah, you mean, even, even that would just be fantastic. But, you know, um, I think that's pretty unlikely. But I agree. But getting more, more teen. A, a more teen story out mm-hmm. of this, I think would be best.
0: Yeah. Which we should say that the tracking board then said that, uh, even though we didn't technically left the project on his own or whatever you want to you want to spin it. Uh, the move was partially made because Warner Bros wants to have a female director on board the project. That's where their focus is going to be moving forward. Um, you know, I said it before I'll say it again, Kelly Freeman, Craig, just, just do it. Like it makes too much sense um for her not to do it because edge 17 was incredible you know Haley steinfeld has said she would want to play Batgirl. just team them up again yeah. uh it'd be so great um I, w- I would absolutely love to see that happen but you know i think there's also plenty of other female directors out there that could do this job um that you know maybe i don't necessarily know at this time but you can you can't s- i mean there's the argument to be made that there's not enough high-profile female directors out there, but there are certainly a number of female directors out there working. Most of them, I just think a lot of people just don't know yet, including myself, which if they you know, next week announce, insert name here is here to direct Batgirl, then if I don't know who they are, I'm going to look up their work. Like That's just how it works. So yeah. that's good news as well because then we're just giving another young you know, f- or not even maybe even young, but just another maybe unknown mm-hmm. female director to the spotlight that I think Hollywood needs more of. That at this point,
1: like uh, Sarah McLaren, is that right? Oh, Michelle McLaren. Michelle McLaren, right? I apologize. <laughs> um, like she has directed some, worked on some of the best shows ever. Really? Like there is a lot of great women directors in yeah. television in these high stakes dramas where you have to be able to command a crew mm-hmm. like that. And I, so, I, like you said, it's just like you said, right for the picking to pull right. someone I mean, out. You can
0: pull Reed Murano, SJ Clarkson's done a bunch of stuff for Netflix. Um, and Amazon, I think she did stuff for handmaiden as well. So like there's, there, there are definitely people out there to get this done. Um, but also just stepping away from the entire, you know, who could be hired next? What, you know, what was the case with Whedon? I also, I want to make a sports comparison here, Okay. Um, which I don't want really to talk about much on the show, but I'm a big sports guy. And I think this move it came two days or a day after Nong was hired and you know then Hamada was hired at the beginning of the year. So I think this is just like when a new when a sports team gets a new GM, what does that GM do? They get rid of everybody basically because they want to work with their guys, with their vision, with the same mindset. And I think that's kind of the same thing here. Because I don't necessarily believe that Joss Whedon worked on this movie for a year and couldn't find a story. He he had to have had some version of a story, some idea to get the pitch going to begin with. So then I think it's just a matter of Nong and Hamada being like, all right, Joss, no offense, but you're where you want to go with Batgirl doesn't fit where we want her to go mm-hmm. in terms of our long-term goals yeah. for the future. So this isn't going to work. And then again, it, I think it gives them the chance to then bring on a female director um, that has the same goal, that can meet not necessarily their agenda, but that can uh, that understands where this universe is going, where the creators um, at the top want this thing to go, their vision, and then can execute that, you know, while still putting their own spin on it. So I think again, I mean, maybe this isn't the first one. I I could see multiple other directors leaving the same way because, you know we'll get to chris mckay but like nightwing doesn't seem to be a priority like you know matt reeves who knows what they want to do with the batman with ben affleck um you know if they still want to make Goblin city sirens with david ayer like there's all like that deathstroke movie i don't necessarily see this new regime like really wanting to make a deathstroke solo movie so like does gareth evans leave like i think there's a lot of transition still to come which is i think partially you know we've seen that over the years with warner brothers oh another director left oh another director left you could say Mm -hmm. the same thing about joss whedon but it's because we've seen so many executive changes at warner brothers and dc that like i think it's that same thing where each time when jeff Johns was put, all right well i want to do this this and this you know rick sorry your your goal your vision of flash doesn't meet my vision so you're out um And now I think it's the same thing again. So I don't necessarily view it as, oh, DC lost another director. You know, even if it wasn't Whedon, I think it's more just like, all right. To me, it just shows that, again, that these new heads of DC films know what they want. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily matter if they have to kick some people to the curb to make that happen.
1: Right. Absolutely. And more pop, like lean into pop culture a little bit more. Okay. And, you know, and and I really, yeah, a thousand percent agree.
0: Perfect. Um, and sticking with the DC Universe, that hashtag show revealed new details on Flashpoint this week, um, saying that production is ex- is hoping to begin as early as July with Ezra Miller starring, along with a supporting cast featuring Ray Fisher returning as Cyborg, Billy Crudup returning as Henry Allen, mm-hmm. and Kiersey Clemons returning as – well, not returning, technically debuting as Iris West, because she has not debuted yet, technically, since right. they cut her out of Justice League. Um, But additionally, then they revealed that the plots will somehow revolve around the investigation of the death of Johnny Quick, a fellow speedster. It's it's not sure if he's known to be a speedster or if this is just his regular persona dying and then they're looking into it. Yeah. Um, They said that flashbacks will detail how Reverse Flash was involved in the incident with Barry and his mother. Um, but then they also said that Doctor Arthur Light's will be the film's big bad, while Captain Cold Heatwave will appear as the villains, as additional villains, and that Caitlyn Snow, aka Killer Frost, will also appear and have a big role. Um, ne- not necessarily as Killer Frost, but that Caitlyn Snow will be in there, and assuming that either in this movie or down the line, she will obviously take on her Killer Frost persona. So, with all of that news, this doesn't sound like Flashpoint. This sounds like a regular Flash movie.
1: So then... Right? I guess we just call it the Flash movie now, right? I guess. Yes. But that's okay. Flashpoint is a building exercise, right? I mean, you don't want to get there right away. You got to talk about Barry Allen's powers and how he has the ability to go back (laughs) in time. Mm -hmm. Because doing that in one film would be a lot to throw at an audience. And this sounds great. This sounds a little more grounded, albeit, I mean, a bunch of characters... Immediately. Right. But that's okay. Because we already know who Ray Fisher is a Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Kiersey Clemons is easy, easy introduction. Yeah. Um, as Iris West. Well, and the, we like, know...
0: Look at like... Sorry, not to interrupt. But like no, this is... go for it. Um, currently, they're in talks to direct Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, mm-hmm. who directed Game Night, which I thought was great.
1: Which you reviewed on the site. You reviewed check on it the it site. Out. You
0: can check it out. friendsoffilm.wordpress.com. Um, but they also wrote Spider-Man Homecoming. And what does spider Homecoming* do? It had a lot of villains. They had they had the main bad guy, but then they also had um, you know people on p- people below him, people you know doing different things. Like they they juggled a lot of different villains, setting up the beginnings of the universe. Which I would assume Francis De- and or Daly and Goldstein will help do rewrites on this or do passes on the script as well if they do in fact direct. Uh, which it should be noted that that hashtag show said that these details came. Um, before Goldstein and Daly began uh, talking for Flash. So this is all subject to change if their pitch was different than what Warner Bros. was already developing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that the influx of villains and having so many and doing the world building, I don't think that's a problem because it seems like they've already been able to find a good way to do that with Spider-Homecoming.
1: Yeah. So like you know, world build early, let the payoff come in the sequels. Exactly. Because with with the talent they're assembling here for director, writer, if, if like you said, yeah, they are remixing mm-hmm. or just moving away from the big flashpoint right moment. Yeah, follow their gut, follow their instincts, and um, it's, I mean, yeah, like Spider-Man: Homecoming, balanced and juggled everything so well, and you've got the you've got the team, you got the duo right there. Mm-hmm do what they say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be fair, they weren't the only writers on that project. There were four other writers involved, so you can't really... You don't know what part of Homecoming was theirs, but I think they were the early writers, laid the foundation, and then the other people that came in and did punch-ups and short rewrites and stuff like that. So I think the basis of that movie is on them, and the execution of it um, is partially for them. John Watts, obviously, the director, has some credit to that because he executed it on screen but yeah I think I think this is good news especially if this isn't flashpoint because that that was the biggest concern oh wow flashpoint cool interesting story way too early to tell it though we don't know who Barry Allen is at this point I mean we've seen him but we don't know him yeah uh, we don't know his backstory in this universe we don't know his life mm. uh, we don't know his world like there's so much more to explore with this character before we get into the what if scenarios of what if he changed time and he could still interact with his mom and everything like that's yeah. so much to deal with.
1: Let that pain seep into one mm-hmm. or two movies first, and then let's see the effects. Exactly, and then let's let our other Batmans and Robins and every, Justice League kind right. of reassemble um, again, mm-hmm. and then do Flashpoint, and then mix it all up again.
0: Yeah, because I mean there were rumors that. Godot is supposed to appear in this movie. That Ben Affleck could appear. That even um, can't think of his, Negan on Walking Dead. Whoever plays him, blanking on his name. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes. that he could appear as Thomas Wayne in the Flashpoint universe. But um, based on this, it doesn't sound like that's the way they're going to go. So I think that's a good thing. Like I don't need flashpoint now, like you said, do it in a sequel, do it in the third movie of the trilogy, like do it later once we understand who Barry is and like how terrible the loss of his mother is, how that impacted him, um, know more about his universe and everything. I think it's a better way to focus on him and I love the fact that if this is the case that we still are getting cyborg in a yes. supporting role because he was the best part just league in my opinion mm-hmm. um. So I want to see more of him. And we have gotten zero updates on what a cyborg movie is going to be, even though I expect that to change after considering Black Panther is blowing up the box office. I have to assume that Nog and Hamada are like, we need to get cyborg movie in ASAP. Yeah, the
1: CW got a show out. Black Lightning, like, I mean, before right. they even got a cyborg or Teen Titan live action film. Exactly. The most popular uh, yeah. But I think they're on the right track now.
0: Yeah, I, I think they are as well. And I know I pre-suggested Joel Edgerton for Captain Cole, but that was based on my hope that he was going to be in uh Suicide Squad 2 potentially, if he's going to be in this movie. And daily and Goldstein direct. I would love to see them pull Jesse Plemons from game night and give make him Leonard Snark because he just has this. Something off about him. He can do that really well. And Snark is kind of sarcastic and fun, but also he has to be that level of evil that you kind of fear and are intimidated by. And Plemons does a really good job of making you feel uneasy, even when he's doing something just like totally non consequential. Yeah. Like, oh, something's off about this guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I heard he was stellar in game night. He's so good. And then, um of course, you, the, he's, the, yeah, that's the Black Mirror guy, right, too?
0: Yeah, he was in the USS Callister episode. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's so good in that as well. Um, But kind of sticking with the DC Universe, kind of not. Uh, Variety report this week that the Lego Batman movie director and future director of Nightwing, potentially, Chris McKay is in talks to direct a live-action Dungeons & Dragons movie for Paramount. So this movie is supposed to come out in like three years. So if this this deal closes, if he does in fact direct Dungeons & Dragons... Do you think that's a good move for Chris McKay? Do you want to see Dungeons and Dragons movie? But also, doesn't this mean that Nightwing's not going to happen anytime soon? His script is
1: almost finished? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. But there's changes at the top like you just mm-hmm. we just talked about. So it sounds like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, go for it, dude. I don't know what you would make a Dungeons and Dragons movie out of. Right. Um, I mean, they know they did that, like that Tom Hanks thing back in the 80s where he's like, you know, stepping in and out of like the real world Mm -hmm. into a fantasy land. But um, sure, if he's got the idea for it, if they've got the script for it, I mean, the guy is talented Mm -hmm. with comedy. Absolutely. um, And I'm sure he'll do something with it.
0: Now, would you, if he does do Dungeons and Dragons, would you want to see them approach this, you know, medieval fantasy world like Lord of the Rings? Or go and use some of McKay's comedic abilities and go, like, not total Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but, like, closer to that than Lord of the Rings? Do you want an Mm. epic or
1: uh, more lighthearted? I want a lighthearted nerd comedy adventure. Because this is a very very specific movie Mm -hmm. and you can argue oh it's having a moment Stranger Things played it in the first season Um, and I know still a lot of people
0: play it what are the chances that one of those Stranger Things kids are cast in this movie Um, over or under I don't know I don't know I'm not good at this over under 50% is that too high
1: yeah no I would say mm, I would say over okay because they're they're so talented yeah and they're an instant grab for your movie if you put um, Dustin, who I mean, Ooh, yeah. in that in that film That'd as the lead, fun. uh, that's not his real name. The right. actor who yeah. plays or Dustin,
0: get a Steve Harrington.
1: So, oh, both of those two
0: get them together. Yes, get the Dustin and absolutely <laughs>
1: spin-off. the best part of Strange Things too. Um, that movie would light up. It um, and Chris McKay would be perfect for it. I mean, he'll he'll be. I think he'll be able to handle that. Com- mm-hmm. Totally and completely because Lego Batman wasn't serious, and I think Chris McKay's style of writing is that exact way uh, in some respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Nightwing would have been different, but the, yeah. the dude knows how to write and he knows how to capture, um, levity really well. Mm-hmm. So if that, yeah, if that's the case. Uh, I think Paramount, Paramount would, would be, would be making the right choice. I think he would be making the right choice and it's Dungeons and Dragons. So you have to let creativity run wild with it mm-hmm. to get people, um, uh, in the seats.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I would like to see a more lighthearted approach, probably for Dungeons and Dragons, if Chris McKay does it, um, and I think it's a smart move for him. If you know, if he's just in the scriptwriting phase of Dungeons and Dragons, it sounds like he's even still potentially has to still pitch the movie because he's making a uh, a ripomatic. Which is like a basically like a almost like a fan trailer where like, oh, okay. you, you bring in pieces of different movies to show here's what my vision would be like. Mm-hmm. Um then you use like concept art and stuff to fill in when you have to show characters, but like that sounds like this is still very early on in the process, even though he's been attached to it for like a year. Yeah. So if if they're not looking at Nightwing as a priority, being like, All right, we want this for twenty twenty release so we want you to start shooting next year then mckay is gonna need something to do he's a director he's a you know he needs work to do like he's not working on nightwing for free with scripts obviously but directing a movie a a live action high profile movie like Dungeons and dragons will obviously pay more than just doing scripts for nightwing to hopefully make one day and he could still probably have that work he could still do that potentially while making dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. so i think it's good news even if it means that nightwing is like 6 years away at this point then probably. Right.
1: Like I said, I mean, yeah, let them build the Batman yeah. stuff up. Let them introduce the Nightwing, let's Young get, Robin yeah, kid. Let, let's get a Batman,
0: Batman a solo Batman movie before we get Nightwing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh um yeah, th- this is actually more exciting than Nightwing just because oh. the possibilities are li- limitless for the man.
0: That's true. Um something that maybe the possibilities aren't limitless on is what the future holds for Jurassic World because Universal confirmed this week that Jurassic World 3 is officially happening. To the surprise of no one, considering they've always talked about this as a trilogy, but they gave it a release date, June 11th, 2021. Colin Trevorrow, the director of the first Jurassic World movie and who also wrote that movie, helped write Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. He is returning to write Jurassic World 3 along with Emily Carmichael. You are a big fan of Jurassic World. Yes. You are very excited for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It kicked up. Yep. So this is good news for you.
1: This is great news. Um, first of all, someone who is talented, mm-hmm. young, and not Trevorrow's writing partner from the last two films. Because right. I listen, I will say this. I'm excited for Jurassic World 2, but it still seems very, um, oh, what's the word, where it looks like the thing that came before it? Derivative. Yes. It looks derivative and a little too over the top, but I understand it's a... You know, it's a blow-up studio, Mm -hmm. universal film. Um, But I will say this. She took a pass of the script, wrote part of some of the script for Pacific Rim Uprising. Yep. And every time I see that film and I see the interactions between like the teams and everything like that, Mm -hmm. I do get hyped for it. I'm like, there's some great interplay here. And uh, I think getting fresh talent into Jurassic World, wherever that third movie is going to go, is important. And i can't wait,
0: yeah I think uh I think this is unsurprising news, I'm not necessarily like over the moon about it i th- I think it's a no brainer the second movie's gonna make probably like a, it's gonna make minimum eight hundred million dollars worldwide it'll yeah. probably make a billion again um so i i yeah it's no surprise they're making this, especially. With Jurassic Fall, World Fallen Kingdom coming out in a couple of months. like They want to let people know that this that's not the end. We're going to come back for another adventure. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're excited. Does that mean great things for Fallen Kingdom? That they've started to see some early cuts of it. And they're like, wow, Bayona really delivered. This is really going to hit, knock it out of the park. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I think it could mean that. It could just mean that they know they're going to make money. So they're going to date a future movie regardless. Um, but you know, we don't know who's going to directing. I don't, I doubt Colin Trevorrow directs the th- final installment. Bayona could return to do another one after doing Fallen kingdom. You know, if that's successful, um, or maybe Emily Carmichael just yeah. takes the step up, directs mm-hmm. it. Uh, she hasn't directed an actual feature film yet. She's directed a bunch of shorts. Yep. Um, but she has a, you know, an upcoming movie called powerhouse in development that she also wrote. So, I mean, it's it's right there for you. If they want to take it, if they don't, um, you could also. I'm trying to think, you could probably fit Michelle McLaren in if Cowboy Ninja Vikings good for Universal and Chris Pratt. Why not just take yeah. her right into Jurassic World? Have her do that too. I think, regardless, I I will I will be very surprised if it's not a female director on Jurassic World three. Yeah. I really? just that I just okay. feel like that's my gut. I feel like that's where we're yeah. going to go. Um as like the next kind of step to give somebody else who's not, you know, a a white male just give somebody else that director gig. I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's another one of those things where, you know, it's it Jurassic World especially if two hits, that's going to be one of the biggest franchises going currently. Right. Why wouldn't you give it to a female at that point? So We'll have to wait and see, obviously, what happens with that. Uh, just a quick one to end on. We talked about him last week, but Paul King, according to The Hard Reporter, is go is in talks to direct the live-action Pinocchio movie for Disney. Uh, do you want to see him do this or Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka. But the Pinocchio story has been told a lot. Yeah. I'm also worried, like, Pinocchio live-action could be, like,
1: Really freaky. I've seen a Pinocchio live action, and it was really freaky. But it wasn't Disney, of course, obviously. Right. Um, and they know how to do live action. Mm-hmm. So, oh. I, but I don't know, Paul King doing it, like, you have to want to jump at that, right? Oh, yeah. Why, uh, why mean, wouldn't you? If he's the, I think he's the only one out there that can make it work. He made Paddington, the the. the I mean, <laughs> one Paddington. of the dumbest movies I thought existed before I would seen it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like, incredible. Yeah. So... Yeah, let him let him make Pinocchio a real boy, or you know, yeah. whatever the case is. You yeah, know? But
0: yeah, that, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you do. A, I mean, is it a is it a CG hybrid like Alita, where you cast? You mm. know, somebody suggests like Jacob Tremblay. You cast uh, Jacob Tremblay as Pinocchio, but then you kind of CGI him a little bit, so yeah. like it's it's more w- wooden and it's not just makeup or mm-hmm. you know. And then how do you like you? They get into like some dark stuff where like boys are turned into donkeys and, like, they're trapped on an island and there's, like, a bunch of, like, kind of messed up stuff happening into Pinocchio. <laughs> right. So, like, how do you do that and still keep it, like, kind of family-friendly? We're, friendly, we're Disney sort of right. thing. Like, I don't know about that. But the but inter- Paul King can do it because he's great.
1: And, like, the interplay between Pinocchio and Jimmy the Cricket would be a great back and forth mm-hmm. especially like with with Paul King's uh, style I mean in writing and everything like yeah. that so um that 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 was that that idea right there makes me excited for, I mean or at least makes me super interested in it mm-hmm. but I think the Willy Wonka um idea is still so high especially when you threw out Ryan Gosling's name for it like last week he's yeah. being he's he
0: was he, he, considered like last year Who okay knows yeah, that, that would just be case.
1: that would be yeah, he's much more he's too cool for that now mm-hmm. I guess um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, Willy Wonka. I'm ready for another story like that.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, that's all we have for the news. Uh, that's all we have for this episode then. So Josh, do you know what we're reviewing next week?
1: Uh, I forgot to ask. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I know Ongoing it's something. Jag. Yes. O-
0: jag. <laughs> Jeez, I can't speak anymore. Uh, we're going to be reviewing red sparrow. That's right. New latest good. from Francis Lawrence and Jennifer Lawrence uh also featuring uh Joel Edgerton in mm-hmm. there. Very excited.
1: Jeremy Irons as well. Mm-hmm. Um lots of good early reactions for it. Some saying it's better than Tinker Toy Soldier. T- yeah, Tinker Taylor. Tinker Taylor Toy Soldier. Toy Soldier, yeah. Yes. Um I don't know what that movie is, but it sounds like a classic movie my parents would say you got to watch this one or whatever. <laughs> so, uh uh it looks thrilling
0: yes yes it does i'm very excited to see it i've been kind of rewatching lawrence's both lawrence's hunger games movies um just, just kind of it's been a while since i've watched them i was like i want to watch some of francis lawrence's work again before seeing this movie and jennifer lawrence's work for that matter so uh i'm excited for it. the reviews have been good i've seen some people have been like wow the re- some people are not going to like this movie. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of where that comes from. Okay. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. We're also going to be back this week with a big question discussing the Oscars, not the nominations or predictions on who's going to win next week, but instead what we would like to change about the Oscars, whether that's categories, format. Whatever it is, we can change anything we want, and we're going to do that. We're going to have our guest returning for the first for the first time in a long time. Amanda Morris is going to be in here with us. Uh, first time live with her, which is going to be fun. Uh, so be sure to stay on the lookout for that. I'll be here on Wednesday. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, though, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, do what Hill underscore Larius did. Head of iTunes give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show. It would be really helpful for us. You can tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops.
1: And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan.
0: Thanks again for tuning to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh?
1: Tweet me your theories about Annihilation please.
0: <laughs> and be sure to turn next week for our review of Red Sparrow.